This is the Mostly NU Podcast. Welcome back to the Mostly NU Podcast. Bryce here, joined as always by my brother Callum. We finally made it. We are finally going to be previewing an NCAA tournament game. When we started this podcast just over two months ago, a lot of people wouldn't have thought then that we were going to make it to this point. At that point, we probably just had our one conference win. Maybe it just picked up our Ohio State loss. But here we are, previewing a big game. Northwestern is in as a seven seed. We'll be playing our first game in Sacramento on Thursday night, 7.30 Central Time, I believe. Uh, I believe it's 7.30 Central. 7.30 Central Time against Boise State. But first, we will get to our uh, typical recaps here. So first, we'll uh, take a look back at the Penn State game from the Big Ten Tournament, the uh, first-round loss for us against the 10-seed Penn State, who did end up making it to the uh, championship game of the Big Ten Tournament and gave Purdue a pretty good fight, but Calm. Give us your takeaways from that one. Yeah, I don't think there's a ton to say. Uh, mainly for us, it's just a lack of offense, struggles on on the offensive end, just shooting the ball. Uh, characteristically, it was all there for us. Um, good number of assists, low turnover rates. Um, on paper, it really feels like a game we should win, uh, winning most statistical categories to the game. I know shot quality had us as an expected 10-point victory if you were to play the game over again so not anything that I'm too worried about just shots weren't falling uh and you you come up against a Penn State team that makes some clutch shots down towards the end yeah I I feel about the same way you know but we had a lot of good looks Ty especially stands out he had a lot of really open looks um and they and they just weren't falling for us so I'm not overly worried about it I think even Chris said which I thought was interesting on the press conference after the selection show on Sunday, he said that it was uh, maybe a blessing in disguise. He said the spirits were really high from the guys. So I think everybody's in good spirits. You know, we had a chance. We took Penn State to overtime, even playing so bad. And then, of course, like I said, Penn State makes it to the championship game. So they're playing like one of the best teams in the conference right now, taking down Indiana after they beat us. And, you know, late in that game, Penn State, Seth Lundy in particular, just hit some really crazy tough shots. Well defended. I thought our defense was really, really strong holding Penn State to 60 points, I believe, was their score in regulation, maybe 62, maybe under that, but a low number for a really high-powered offense. So I think there's some positives to take away, and the only thing to work on from that one for me would just be, you know, making our shots. Yeah, and the one really big thing I want to point out is forcing them to 15 turnovers. They have one of the lowest turnover percentages in the country. So just one of these things that will be really big come March is being able to force those turnovers doesn't mean you're going to win the game, but if every game going into March you can have more possessions, more shots going up, always gives you the edge. You know, we take 15 more shots than them, but, you know, we we only shoot 31% from the field, 25% from three. But some really good indicators going into March here, into the tournament. Yeah, certainly turnovers, a big factor in March, especially playing in neutral sites, playing in a new – um, arena every week shooting can be tough so perhaps favors us and we'll get into that later down the stretch but certainly good to see at least I felt like our defense has really ratcheted up I think in the middle of the season maybe our defense took a bit of a dip but the last four or five games I've been really impressed with how our defense has played and then the other guy you've got to call out and I know everybody's talking about this but it's Brooks Brooks Barnheiser the way he's played in that game he gets 15 points 11 rebounds he's got a double double he plays 38 minutes he came up with some really big buckets late. He had his own little 5-0 run late in the game. And, I mean, just the way he's continued to play, he really does get better each week. And it's it's fun to watch. And I think he could be somebody that breaks out for us again here in the in the tournament. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're going to him late in possessions now. You see Collins begins to trust and trust him more. Playing a season high in minutes, I know it goes to overtime, so it might be a little increased. But either way, that's four more minutes than he's played in, in a game all season. So. Just goes to show the level of trust that he's gained from the coaching staff here as we as we get down the stretch. Then the only other thing I'll call out on this game is just that interesting to see. It was, I think, about the 10-minute mark left in that second half. Boo and Chase end up on the bench for three, four minutes. 
which is something we really don't see. Chris, after the game, said he felt like they were pressing a little bit and just needed to get someone else in. So I was happy to see that in the sense that this year we've seen it more. Collins is willing to mix around the lineup. So just glad that he, even at this point in the season, still kind of trying to be creative. And I think it worked well. So just something interesting we saw from Chris and a, a wrinkle I was happy that he was willing to throw out there. Yeah, definitely an interesting thing on some of our, our guards really pressing. It was nice to see. I know Chase obviously struggled um, again, which was was tough to see, and hopefully you can turn that around uh, in the Boise State game. But seeing him at least not put up too many shots in this past game where it's not falling, uh, but focusing more on the defensive end, uh, trying to just do the right pl- thing, make the right plays, uh, was definitely something that I like to see in this game, not necessarily forcing it as much as he has. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with Brooks playing well, he knows that he's kind of got somebody else who can take some of that weight off his shoulders. I think, as I've said all season, you know, in defensive chase, he kind of has to take those shots sometimes, but he's got somebody else to help him out now, which is great to see. Anything else to add here on this Penn State game before we kind of take a look back at some of the other Big Ten tournament games? Uh, I think that's really all I have for, for the Penn State game. Maybe not one of the prettiest Big Ten tournaments we've ever seen, but I think from a fan's perspective, pretty interesting. We had quite a few upsets, you know, Ohio State making it to the semifinals, giving Purdue some fight there in the first half. You got Penn State as well, making it to the uh, championship game. So two um, 10 plus seeds, you know, making a run. What were some of your takeaways from the Big Ten tournament? Well, at first, I really did think that the Ohio State, we had kind of forgotten about the non-conference at Ohio State team had really come back for a second there thought they were gonna make that final run all the way to the championship game and and maybe make the tournament sneak in a ninth team for the Big Ten but not the case there but overall I thought it was some really really exciting games Uh, seeing Penn State's run was really really cool to see Uh, highest seed ever to get to the championship game Ohio State being the highest seed to get to the semifinals. So with the upsets and everything there, I think it really showed the depth of the conference, maybe not the high-end teams that some of the other conferences have, such as you know Big 12 or SEC. But I don't think any other conference can showcase depth like the Big 10 can. Yeah, I agree. And it really was kind of the season encapsulated into a four or five day stretch I mean throughout the season we saw all these upsets and we knew that it was you know Northwestern could be a two seed or a nine seed and you know we see a 10 seed make it to the championship you know Northwestern could have been a nine seed with that same opportunity Um, I think one game that stood out to me and um, I was at a number of these games over the course of the weekend with the tournament being here in Chicago but I had a chance to see Maryland Indiana after the Northwestern Penn State game and I Hadn't really watched Jameer Young at all in person this year and was really impressed with the way he played. Um, I think Maryland, certainly a team that could make a run. If they could play a little more consistent, they kind of trailed off there in the second half, which killed them against Indiana, but was really impressed with Jameer Young's speed. He has a really great handle. Thought he ran that offense really well and somebody who didn't really get rattled, rattled at all. I think they're a team with that strong guard play. They could certainly be a team to watch for in March. So it just was interesting to see to watch him in person was really impressive. So this is a question for you, because to me, what always stood up stood out about that Maryland team was the athleticism with them. Seems like they're more athletic than any other big 10 team. So I just want to get your take on where you think they stand in terms of that factor. Yeah, I think in the game, we saw one of the plays was this massive dunk from one of their centers, a million running from pretty much the free throw line, slamming it down on TJD in front of him. Um, Pretty much everyone, it felt like to me, could kind of run the floor, which, again, is, I think, something that can make them dangerous. You don't have a player like, say, you know, a Zach Eady, a big guy who's going to slow them down. Everybody, it felt like to me, could run the break. They could play defense with anyone. So I I was pretty overall impressed with them. I know they didn't get it done against Indiana. I think their biggest kind of question mark is going to be if they can make threes on the road and if they can kind of handle playing in a neutral environment. Well, the story for them this season has been one road win I believe they had all year in, in 10 home wins. So, you know, if they can transfer the way they play at home, not even fully, but just partly to playing in the neutral sites, I think they'll they'll do well, but certainly a team to, to look out for. Yeah, fun team to watch with how quick they get up and down the court. And, you know, speaking of the home games, uh, just getting ahead to the tournament here, if they're able to beat West Virginia, it will be tough playing Alabama in Birmingham. So 
will be more of a road environment for them in that one. And then the big takeaway, I think a lot of people, you know, did have doubts about Purdue, but able to win two close ones against Rutgers and Penn State, pretty easily handled Ohio State and was able to win the Big Ten Tournament uh, championship, just their second one in school history. Um, first since 2009, sweeping the regular season and conference tournament championships this year. Um, so, I mean, really just an impressive season from Purdue this year, um, especially with all the doubts going around that team right now. Certainly was able to get an easier draw, being able to play a nine seed, a 13 seed, and a 10 seed, but was able to take care of business there. Yeah, it was an impressive run for Purdue, I think. The only negative that you can have if you're a Purdue fan right now or the only thing bad I can say about Purdue is just how they finish games. They do have huge leads pretty much to end every game, it seems like, but that 10-point lead with three, four minutes left in every game they had, I believe, seems to disappear very, very quickly. Um, Happened against Penn State and really, really almost lost it against Penn State. Same thing against Rucker. I think the biggest question you've got to have as a Purdue fan is just can they handle a a press, a, a full court um, press that's going to trap guys. Um, they just don't seem to, one, bring the ball up fast enough when those presses happen. It's not necessarily turnovers that are caused just because they're getting um, the ball stolen from, but they just have to rush at the end of the 10-second clock. So curious to see how they can adjust to that if teams try to take advantage of that in the NCAA tournament. You'd think a team like a 16 seed who they play in the first round, obviously not super likely to get it done, but that 8-9 game, I would think that 8-9 team is going to just gamble, and maybe even if they don't press throughout the season, they'll take a chance on that press. So we'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, it was interesting to me watching them just this entire season struggle with that press in the end of games and then obviously seeing it again in the Big Ten tournament. When they're breaking the press, it is such a slow press break to me. Um, generally teams are going to come at with at them with a 2-2-1 or a 1-2-1 press, just a very simple basic press that – youth basketball players everyone everyone has seen and everyone knows how to deal with the inability to get the ball into the middle of the press to try and break it whether they want to do that with Gillis or first or even Edie um, but really trying to go around the outsides of that press has been an interesting strategy for them uh, so far and something that they'll really need to address if they're uh, I mean Memphis the team if they get in that one versus eight game really athletic team um, that might be able to take advantage of that. The only other team I really want to call out here uh, for this Big Ten tournament, really curious to get your thoughts on for these two teams, the teams that Ohio State beat, so Iowa and Michigan State, four and five seeds, they both go down in their first game. Do you think those teams need to be worried at all? Did they just run into a really hot Ohio State team? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know. I You never want to be – I don't think you should ever look too harshly into a Big Ten tournament game. At the end of the day, it's, you know, end of the season, you're going to neutral site, maybe looking ahead to the tournament. I mean, those are two teams that are in already win or lose in the in the Big Ten tournament. So nothing that I'm too concerned about for either of those teams. And I do think part of it is for Ohio State. They realize, hey, this is the only chance we have to get to the tournament. So especially maybe not as much for the Iowa game, but when they get into that Michigan State game, now they're really looking for hey, we can win this thing. So maybe playing with that extra chip on their shoulder. I mean, Ohio State just played really, really good basketball. Um, the way they played against Iowa and Michigan State, I think they're beating most teams in the Big Ten tournament outside of maybe Purdue. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you got to hand it to Ohio State more than anything. I wouldn't hit the panic button too much for a loss in the Big Ten tournament in Illinois. I wouldn't be too worried about it either. You know, Ohio State in particular, Bruce Thornton really came on for them. I mean, just a really, really solid tournament performance and something to look forward to for Ohio State fans next year. Um, just impressive overall for Ohio State. I think if anything, it's just kind of what's to come. They've got a lot of freshmen coming back um, next year. So certainly it's going to be a dangerous team. And I believe another high recruiting class for the Buckeyes next year. Oh yeah. Bronny James. Is that his year next year? I saw he's potentially going to Ohio State. Maybe that's in two years from now though. <sighs> might be two years. I don't, I don't really know how good Bronny James will be. I think that <laughs> last name might carry a little bit of weight when they give him the five star. Hey, we'll take him at Northwestern. So, Brownie, I know you're listening. We'll take you at Northwestern if you want to come here. Um, but with that, I think we can move on to the NCAA tournament bracket. I think first year we'll go through the the Big Ten teams. 
um, kind of make some predictions on how we think they'll fare, what round they'll get to, and, and what their first round matchup looks like. But we'll start here in the top left of the bracket with Maryland. They are placed as an eight seed playing in Birmingham, and they've got uh, West Virginia in that first round game. What are your thoughts on that one, Cal? I think that's going to be a really, really fun game. These eight, nine games all across the board, really, really exciting games. Big Ten obviously playing in three of the eight, nine games. Just with West Virginia, the style of basketball they play really matches up similarly to the way Maryland plays. Athletic, long, uh, physical teams. Both teams can run up and down the court with you, press if they want. So it'll be a really exciting matchup in that one. And then I think, again, that that Alabama matchup will be just as fun, whether or not Maryland or West Virginia gets through to that one, just with the way both of those teams play should be a fun, fun group of one sixteen, eight, nine games there. And I'd think a good chance that either Maryland or West Virginia could come up with an upset there. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm, I've been impressed with Maryland. I think they are able to kind of overcome their woes of playing on the road. I think neutral maybe suits them a little bit better. And I think that just the way that we saw them shoot the ball against us, I think they're a team that can do damage. Like we talked about their athletic, they got a lot of guys that can shoot. So I'm going to pick them to go out in the second round of Bama, but I wouldn't be too surprised to see uh, to see them make it to the Sweet 16 and, and potentially further, I think. Uh, you'll notice a trend for me, at least. I'm high on pretty much every Big Ten team, but I, I really like the way Maryland plays. Like I said, was just super impressed with them in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I'm trying to follow in the footsteps of Andy Katz bracket and really be a Big Ten <laughs> homer. That is the only team representing the Big Ten in the South region, so we'll move on here to the East, where Purdue is the one seed playing their first round games in the in Columbus. Um, one sixteen matchup. Don't need to touch too much on that. I think they'll be able to take care of business, but Purdue may be the most likely one seed to lose to a 16 seed is, is what I'm hearing from Purdue fans. That's kind of their mindset going into this one. Um, but what are your thoughts on that uh, potential matchup against Memphis or Florida Atlantic? Yeah, I think um, certainly two really good mid-major teams here in, in FAU and Memphis. Uh, the one notable thing about FAU, if if they come out of that, is they will be running a press, not a trapping press, but a man-to-man press. So after made shots, it'll be something to keep your eye on, how Braden Smith's able to handle that. And then Memphis, just a really, really hot team right now, uh, just coming off their AAC championship game, beating Houston and almost beat Houston to end the regular season. So really playing some really good basketball right now. And they're also one of the oldest teams in the country. So that experience matching up with the youth of Purdue should be an interesting matchup if no matter who comes out of that 8-9 game. I agree. I, and I think a lot of these 8-9 games or the one versus 8-9 teams will be good this year. I do think with a team like Florida Atlantic, it's tough. You know, they're 31-3. and three. Um, so they have a better record than the team they're playing, but they're all the way to nine seeds. So uh, potentially a little bit of an underrated team. So certainly could be a tough matchup there. What are your predictions overall for Purdue in the tournament? Um, do you think they make a deep run this year? Yeah, I, I think they will be making a pretty deep run. I think this is statistically, this is the best team Purdue's had since they probably had gone to the final four in 1980. Uh, right up there, I say, with that the 2016 team before Isaac Haas gets injured. I think, especially with their region, I know a lot of people are talking about how tough it is, but they've picked up wins against Duke this year. They've beaten Marquette. They've beaten Michigan State. Uh, the three seed, Kansas State, uh, I mean, you wouldn't get them, obviously, till the Elite Eight. I think a team that they'd be able to match up well with, they're not going to they're, – they're not a team that I think is too much of a threat to Purdue – um, just in this, this region, I think it's, it's a good chance that Purdue's able to come out and break that 43 year final four drought for them. Yeah, I, I like their chances as well. Just knowing they do have the most dominant player in college basketball. I could see them being an early upset. I predicted them to go out early in the big 10 tournament, but at the same time, when you have the best player in the court, I always like the odds of that. Um, I think one thing that makes it tough too, is just playing in that East region, playing in New York city, uh, potentially playing Duke. In New York City, that that would be really tough. Last time Purdue made it to the lead eight, they essentially had home games playing in Louisville. So not as fortunate this time with location for Purdue. So just something to watch there. And then moving on here, the other Big Ten team we have in the East region is Michigan State. They are a seven seed, and they'll be playing USC, um, the 10 seed, in that first round. 
on Friday, and that game will be in Columbus. I think for me, Michigan State, um, if they can get, if they can shoot three pointers, they're going to win this game without a doubt. I think that's been the story for them all season. Other than Mati Sissoko, they don't have too much of an inside presence. They don't have anyone else who really wants to drive um, too much. So I think it's just for them a matter of uh, of making those three pointers. But what are your thoughts on that game, Cal? Yeah, that's the biggest thing for them. And then playing in Columbus will be really helpful for Michigan State. That Columbus Regional will be really just full of Purdue and Michigan State fans, uh, the two closest teams for that region. Um, so I don't know a, a whole lot about USC. I think I'm generally down in the Pac-12 as I've being at University of Washington. I've seen some not not great basketball this year. So I think Michigan State should be able to take care of business against USC. And then I think it'll be an interesting matchup with Marquette. I think Marquette's clearing away the better team. But you say, you know, if Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard can really play a good game uh, from the guard positions, shoot the three well, I'd see – really really good chance that they can uh take that upset you know what john rossian says you know it's january february Izzo. so <laughs> this is really his month to shine yeah absolutely with tom Izzo uh leading the team always a chance there and then moving on here to the midwest region we've got iowa um they're playing as an eight seed against auburn a team that northwestern played early in the earlier in the year and then if they win that they'll get houston uh, they'll be playing in birmingham um i think it's a <laughs> really interesting matchup Iowa Auburn I mean two completely different teams right we saw that Auburn game the final score was I think 54 53 um one of the ugliest basketball oh 43 42 even better one of the ugliest basketball games you're ever going to see on a neutral court playing in a uh, conference ballroom so (laughs) Iowa meanwhile loves to chuck threes so it'll be interesting to watch I think personally for me I would take Iowa nine times out of ten in this one just because I think that uh, they play way too fast for Auburn. And at least from what I saw from Auburn earlier in the year, maybe they've improved a lot, but they were not a uh, a great team earlier in the year. Yeah, I think this is a amazing, amazing matchup for Iowa. Um, Auburn, you know, more of a defensive team, but fairly equally balanced. But Iowa, if they can shoot the ball well, if Chris Murray can have a good game, if, you know, the McCaffreys can show up, I'd say... Iowa has a great chance to win this. And then moving on to the Houston game, if they can if they can beat Auburn, another great matchup because Houston, again, slow defensive team. If Iowa can speed them up and, and play their game, a team that really, I think, can make a run in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, um, you know, Iowa is the kind of team we didn't want to see ourselves playing against that high uh, tempo team. Um, we didn't We didn't get that matchup at all, fortunately, as we'll break down later in the podcast but you know Auburn probably was hoping for the same thing a, a lower tempo team but uh, they did not get that so they are certainly going to have their hands full and they're going to need to to put up some points if they want to win that one and then moving on here the next Big Ten team we've got again in the Midwest region is Penn State they'll be playing as a 10 seed playing Texas A&M um, that game's in Des Moines for Penn State uh, any thoughts on this game Cal? Well I think the Big thing to note is Texas A&M really, really underseeded. Felt like they should have been a five or a six seed. So really tough for Penn State to get that matchup as a 10 seed. You're playing someone that you think should be a little higher. But Penn State, just a team that if they get hot, I think, again, they can really, really make a run. But but getting that Texas A&M in the first round is going to be a really tough challenge to overcome. I know a lot of teams are really hot right now on Penn State just after making a run in the Big Ten tournament and stuff. I wouldn't be as hot seeing as Texas A&M has won, has lost just two games since the start of February, um, and those being the Mississippi State and Alabama, two, two NCAA tournament teams, and also picking up wins against you know Tennessee and Alabama, Missouri, Arkansas, Auburn. So a really, really good team that you know finished second in the SEC. So just a really tough matchup for Penn state in that first round. Yeah, certainly sounds like two teams that are coming in playing pretty well. So uh, it it should be an interesting game. And then if they, if they win that, they get Texas, which again, I mean, Texas is not playing quite as well here in February, but certainly a a really solid team Um, started off the year with a lot of expectations. They got a really, a lot of really good players, a familiar face in Marcus Carr. Um, So they certainly could uh, 
do some damage as well. So that'll be another interesting match if we get that. And then moving on here in the West region, uh, we've got two Big Ten teams in the West region, Illinois and Northwestern. So Illinois is playing as a nine seed, um, and they're going against Arkansas playing in Des Moines. Illinois should be able to get some fans out there to Des Moines for sure. Um, what are your thoughts on this Illinois team, kind of what form they're in, and, and how they match up against Arkansas? Yeah, Illinois not in great form right now, losing three of their last four um, in the win, coming in double overtime to Michigan, uh, and then playing some close games with Minnesota as well as Northwestern. Arkansas been a, a team that had some pretty high expectations, uh, top 25 at the start of the season, um, a team that people thought could really do some damage. Um, but really struggled at the start and the end of SEC play. You know, they only go eight and 10 in conference play, but aided by a just one loss in the non-conference and that being to an underseeded Creighton team. So this will be, I think the best uh, eight, nine matchup. I think some really good eight, nine matchups this year. Uh, this one really stands above the rest to me. I think two teams that have the most, high or the highest talent among any of these games a lot of high recruits in this one high expectations from both teams and then two teams that really like to run the pace um so this one should be a really really exciting matchup yeah and i think with illinois it's like you mentioned we've been saying it all season and i mean it's been said for the past few years for illinois it feels like you know they're a team with a lot of talent they're a team that could make a deep run but you know, Brad Underwood just has not quite shown uh, his ability to to succeed in March quite yet. So, um, you know, something's got to change for him, maybe do something a little bit different this year. But he just, you know, as a coach, hasn't been able to find that success. So um, hopefully they're able to make a run. But uh, I think Brad needs to, to mix things up, maybe uh, make something work for him this year. And yeah, then or, go ahead. The last thing I, I would say is Illinois fans will really be chomping at the bit for that potential second round matchup against Kansas um, with the history with Bill Self there. So if, if that comes down to the final matchup in Des Moines, um, close drives for both those teams, I imagine a impressive atmosphere for a round of 32 game if, if both teams are able to make it through to that game. Yeah, that'd be a really, a really fun one for sure. And then finally, last but not least, moving on here to the uh, most anticipated game of the tournament, not just for Northwestern fans, but for any college basketball fans. We've got number seven Northwestern playing against 10 seeded Boise State. Boise State coming out of the uh, Mountain West Conference. Um, we'll do a, a full preview here on Boise State. I think we'll start with some of their individual players, then get into some of their tendencies, and then some key takeaways for this game. But, uh, Starting with uh, uh, looking at their roster, so they really only play five guys. Um, they got five players who are getting 30-plus minutes, um, two other players who uh, play more in the 10- to 20-minute range, but they're not um, big X-factors, I wouldn't say, for the team. They haven't done too much damage on either end of the floor. Nothing nothing stands out too much there, but uh, we'll start by just kind of breaking down uh, uh, their five starters who are going to play, like I said, most of the game, starting with Tyson Deegan Hart, he was a uh, All Mountain West uh, first team player. He's a sophomore, uh, been at Boise State here for two years. Six seven, he's averaging fourteen point two points a game, uh, five point four rebounds. He takes twenty two percent of shots. He's not necessarily a three point specialist, just thirty one percent from three, but really somebody who um, is able to slash in the paint. He's able to get some offensive rebounds, get some putbacks, and a guy that's going to finish at the rim. But what are your thoughts on Tyson Kelm? Yeah, really good player. Um, from what I watched, um, a little bit of Boise State, his ability to go one-on-one off the dribble is really impressive. And going one-on-one on the dribble is a really big key to this Boise State team um, for their success. Low assist rates, which will be something to note as we go into this preview. Yep, and then moving on here, we've got Max Rice for them. Another All-Mountain West player. He was a second-teamer. Um, 6'5", more of a guard-type player, really kind of their their sharp shooter, shooting guard. He uh, averages 14 points per game. He's shooting 41% from three. He's made well over 100 threes this year, um, and he takes 23% of shots. So a high-usage guy and someone who is not afraid to put up his three-point shot even uh, when they're highly contested. Yeah, he is what their coach refers to. They play a brand of positionless basketball where he refers to the five positions as the runner, 
the gunner, the sniper, the trigger, and the crash. Max Rice will be the sniper for them, uh, really working around the edge, uh, taking a lot of threes. Um, so our perimeter defense, especially um, on ball reversals, rotations, will be really key to always be keeping an eye on Rice and make sure that our closeouts are good on him. Uh, both Rice and Agba will be important to keep track of on the three-point line. Moving on here, so their primary ball handler, um, their point guard's Marcus Shaver. He's a senior, All-Mountain West Conference third team, so that's three guys um, who made that all-conference team. He's 6'2", uh, 13.5 points per game. Not quite as deadly of a threat from three, just shooting 27% this year, but somebody who is not afraid to shoot takes uh, 25% of the team shots, so their highest usage player on the floor. And, you know, the offense really runs through him, um, sometimes as it is for Northwestern, um, you know, as – as Boo Booey goes, Northwestern goes. Same can be said for Boise State, certainly. Yeah, and it's interesting with Shaver here, at least from three-point. Similar story as Boo Booey, um, having a, a down year from the three-point line. Previous seasons, he shoots 37%, 40%, 35%, but just shooting 27% this year. So still someone that has the ability to shoot the ball despite shooting just 27% this year and someone that you are going to need to keep track of on the three-point line. And then moving on here, another more of a three-point shooter um, is, I might butcher this first name, Chibuzo Ogbo. Uh, can't, not 100% sure on the first name there, but he uh, shoots 48, 40% from three, six, seven, so a bit more size. He's averaging 11.6 points per game, and again, somebody who's averaging, taking over 20% of shots um, when he's on the court. So another high usage player they've got. Really, these five starters are pretty similar in usage, all in that kind of 20% range. And he's another player who's taken over 100%, over 100 threes on the year um, and hits him in a high clip. Yeah, and he's actually one of the few guys that has, um, at least with his shot dispersion, he's taken more threes than twos this year. Only guy in the roster that's done that. So, so it'll be, again, him and Rice, it'll be catch and shooting out on the perimeter. Yep, and finally for them, rounding out their uh, their starting lineup is Najee Smith. He is a uh, senior for them, averaging 10.3 points per game, 6-7. Not um, as much of a threat from three, the only player in their starting lineup who's taken under 100 threes this year, but he still shoots 37%, taking 59 on the year. So plays more of a inside presence, but certainly someone who can step out as well, more of a, a mobile big man, like you said, positionless basketball more so than anything, they don't have a true center uh, the way we do. Yeah, so that'll be the biggest key to our matchup is how we want to deal with that positionless basketball, uh, especially on the offensive end. How we want to use uh, Big Matt on defense will be a, a challenge for us uh, for the game plan. Certainly, and you know this one might be one where we see Titus get more minutes. We've seen Collins is not afraid to play Titus 25 minutes in a game, 25 plus minutes if it's a better matchup, so... Uh, wouldn't be shocked to see Titus get a lot of run in this one if he can if he can stay out of foul trouble. And then the only other two players uh, to keep in mind, they really only go seven deep, and these other two don't play too much, is one, Jace Whitting. He's a 6'2 freshman guard for them. I think if he had to get significant run, if they ran into foul trouble, trouble with Marcus Shaver, he would really have some trouble with our defense. He's a freshman guard for them. He has a high turnover rate for a guard, so certainly would be beneficial if, you know, take advantage when Marcus Shaver's out. Um, potentially turn him over and not not really someone who can score. And then the only other player to call out here is 6'10 junior um, Lucas Milner. And I think potentially he gets a little more run if the size is giving Boise State trouble just because he is 6'10. They don't have anyone else they can really go to who's played serious minutes this season. Um, they have a few other 6'10 players on the roster, but really, really limited minutes for them. He's seen the court in most games. Um, so potentially a big night for him, but nothing really special to call out. He's been prone to fouls, um, so if they need him, he may not be available due to foul trouble as well. So we'll see how that plays out, um, but I have a feeling they'll stick with their small ball lineup and try to beat us that way. But that's kind of the breakdown on their five starters and, and two other players we may see a little bit of, but now let's kind of get into some of their tendencies um, and overall themes, and I'll let you take it away, Cal. Yeah, well, just before I go deeply into that is the one last thing I'd like to note about the lineup is that over the past five games on Ken Palm, he notes that their starting five of Deegan Hart, Ogbo, Smith, Rice, and Shaver 
they're accounting for 43.5% of minutes played, just that that lineup alone, which really is is remarkable to have that in a tournament team that that reliance on one lineup is is pretty shocking to see. Um, I mean, for Northwestern, we have lineups with 15% is is our highest and most frequent lineup. Uh, so just an interesting thing to note on them. So getting them into foul trouble will be, I think, a big key for us. And in, in going down into into big mat will be a, a big key for us to win this game. And then I'll, I'll get into the the preview here of how Boise State really likes to play the game. I mentioned that they'll play positionless basketball. They have their five positions. Um, Max Rice will be the sniper. Uh, Shaver, he'll be the runner. The crash guy will be uh, Najee Smith, you know, getting in on rebounds. But to me, with this positionless basketball, it kind of reminds me of when Illinois has ran these small ball lineups in the last few years, and the game gets really, really ugly. At least to me, watching replay of the San Diego State game, which was the biggest one of their their season, flying around on defense, ugling up the game any way they can uh, defensively. And with that versatility, with their guys being all between 6'2", 6'7", they can maneuver around ball screens really, really well. So whether or not they want to stay with these guys, they can. They can shade off and help. They can switch um, whenever they want, really. So it really does make it a struggle for teams offensively to get going with how versatile their their defense is. And that's why their defense does rank 14th in the country. So a really, really impressive defense for them. But then you move to the other side of the ball where their offense is at times struggled. And to me, those struggles really start with them only assisting on 43% of their shots, which is one of the lowest in the country, 350th out of 363 teams, um, and I believe the lowest in the field of 68. So that's an interesting thing to note. They're really going to rely on one-on-one matchups, whether that be with Deegan Hart driving into the lane, um, I think will be the the number one use of that. So, so that offensive consistency is, or inconsistency, I should say, is something interesting to note for them and you know something that we've also struggled with as well I think scouting this team I see a lot of similarities between the two Um, you know good defense poor offense uh, inconsistencies at times there Um, so those are really the main things that I'm seeing from this this Boise State team as I give them a a first look yeah one of the most inconsistent teams um, in the country Northwestern as well fairly inconsistent team like you mentioned uh, similar to them I think the assistant rate really speaks to their inconsistency you know watching um some game highlights from them some film on them looking at some of their past opponents they really do take really tough shots you know they rely on an individual performer to make tough shots to have a good night you know they've got five guys like i mentioned all five starters are averaging over 10 points a game so their offensive success relies on individuals having good nights um they can't rely on you know easy layups um i don't think we're going to see them get a lot of easy layups wide open threes a lot of it is going to be contested shots. They've got, like we mentioned, two guys shooting over 40% from three at a really high volume. Um, so, you know, it's uh, scary in that sense, right? They could uh, light us up from deep or they could, you know, be missing their shots. A lot of contests from us um, and it could be a, a big win for us. So it really could go either way. You know, both teams just inconsistent. And yeah, when you say light us up from three, the the main thing that comes to mind is is how well Max Rice has played in the last 10 games or at least the last 10 games of the regular season. He was averaging 17 in those last 10. And, you know, those are getting wins against San Diego State, New Mexico, Nevada. Um, so some of their better games of the season are when he's able to play really, really well. And keeping him off the three-point line will be a, a really, really big key for us. And then one of the other things that I want to note that will be key for our success is taking advantage of their lack of depth. Obviously, it'll be a tough matchup for Big Matt on defense to try and deal with some of these three-point shooters, um, you know, all of them making more than 23s this season. So for Big Matt, it'll be key on offense to take advantage of this size. I assume they'll be doubling Big Matt in the post. So try and go into them, draw fouls, uh, play smart just so that we can, you know, force guys like Milner and Whitening to play, maybe get some of their eight, ninth guys off the bench um, if we have to. 
uh, just to get them out of their rhythm. Yeah, and I think that uh, earlier in the season, we had a lot of success with that. We saw it kind of fade, potentially the Big Ten adjusting as we were getting to the free throw line a lot. That has faded down the season, but you know, if we could get anybody into foul trouble, you could have some guys stepping into a really big moment who have played barely any minutes all season, so it could certainly take advantage of that. But with that kind of overall preview, um, let's move into three weaknesses that uh, we see potentially Boise State being able to expose and then We'll also go through our kind of three keys to the game, three reasons why we think Northwestern will win. But let's start with uh, those weaknesses, maybe the why we won't win. Um, and I'll let you start with yours, Cal. Yeah, so the first one for us, and I think it's something we've seen down the stretch when we've struggled, is when we get cold, we really start to force shots and get out of our rhythm on offense. So I think that's an area, especially with their impressive defense, that they could really cause us problems on the offensive end. Um. The other thing is, for them, this is more a key for them to winning the game, is their D turning into offense. Um, so if if we let them, you know, get out in transition, um, really let their energy on defense translate to energy on offense, at least in the replays I have seen, is that when they start running around on defense, that energy is really, really carried over to the offensive end. Uh, and then the last, last will be three-point shooting. For both for both teams this is going to be such a, a key factor, but losing that the three point shooting margin if they shoot forty something percent from three if they get hot if Rice and and Agbo can shoot well it'll be really really tough uh, tough for us in this game. Yeah, absolutely, and that transitions right into my kind of biggest worry um, is their three point shooting ability. You know they can make tough shots um, regardless of how good our defense is. So that is certainly going to be something to watch. And then my other two, so um, they rank 12th in the nation in defensive uh, free throw attempt rate. So they're really not fouling too much. As we mentioned, um, they're not letting teams get to the free throw line. So more so than being able to keep their players on the floor. But when our offense does go through those cold stretches, which we know <laughs> is going to happen at some point, you know, getting to the free throw line for guys like Boo and Chase has been really important. Boo, especially here late in the season. So if they're able to take that away, that could even kind of extenuate those scoring droughts for us. And scoring droughts certainly something that we always want to make sure to avoid. I know some of our losses have come because of those scoring droughts. And then my other worry is that they do take care of the ball pretty well, just a 16.7 uh, turnover percentage, which is 71st in the country. So not fantastic, but pretty solid with the ball. Marcus Shaver is a senior point guard for them, so someone who's experienced. Um, they've played in the NCAA tournament before. They've played in big games before in their conference, winning conference championships together. So um, for them, if they are able to take care of the ball well, one, it's going to limit our offense and, and what uh, points we're able to get in transition. And then also with our low field goal percentage, typically – we need to take more shots than the other team. And if we're not able to turn them over, um, that could certainly be an issue. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. I think those will all be uh, important things to note in the game. And then the three keys, I think, for us winning the game will be stuff, you know, we've we've mentioned all season that we keep, keep saying. Uh, the first thing will be forcing turnovers, just like we did against Penn State, winning that turnover margin. And that's something we've done all season. Force turnovers, don't turn the ball over. That'll be a really key factor for us in this game. Uh, the other one, when their defense really gets flying around, they make some shots, they get some energy on defense. Don't get stuck into one-man games with Boo or Chase. Really keep working that offense. Get the ball into the high post, work it around, do some dribble handoff. Uh, will be really, really important for us. And then the last thing, the last key, will be getting them out of rotation. So getting them into foul trouble force them to utilize that bench, get them in positions that they don't like to be in. You know, 44% of their uh, minutes come with the same starting five. So if you can get them out of that, force them to play with some of the lineups they haven't played with as much, that'll be a, a big key for us winning this game. Yeah, I think for me, of those three, the one you mentioned on, you know, just getting into our offense and making sure that we don't get into that isolation ball is going to be really important, you know, it is a really big stage and there is a lot of pressure on this team, right? None of these players have ever been to the NCAA tournament before. I don't think Titus had been before with previous teams. I might be wrong on that, but either way, just a really big stage. Um, certainly have a guy like Brooks Barnheiser having to play big minutes as a younger player. So um, 
hopefully the stage isn't too big. I think the team showed in some high pressure games, you know, playing on the road, the team's able to kind of keep things together. So hopefully that trend is able to to keep going into the tournament for our, our biggest game of the year. And then into my three keys, I think similarly to yours on turnovers is I think that they just won't be able to match our physicality and size. Um, I think if you look at a guy, you know, like Brooks Barnheiser, like Ty Berry, Robbie Barron, those are just big, physical, strong guys. I think defensively, I just don't see them um, being able to blow by quite as easily as they might be able to um, in some of their Mountain West Conference games. I know that that's kind of been the calling card for our team is that physicality. So I'm really hopeful that we're just going to be able to um, kind of bring the style of play the way we want to play it. So it's going to be physical. It's going to be tough. I could see Brian Heiser having a double-double. I could see Robbie Barron getting 10 rebounds. Um, Big Matt, I could see having a big night on the offensive glass. So that, that'll that be one thing that I'll definitely be watching for. And then as well as that, they have struggled away from home this season. And that's been one area we've been really strong. So hard to say if it's going to translate perfectly neutral versus road. You'd think are pretty similar environments. Um, but I'm hopeful that that'll transfer well to us. Like I said, we've just played well away from home when it is kind of that, uh, you know, just those 10 guys um, on the team, those um, players versus everybody else. I think our team rallies well around that. And then as well, playing in a new arena, playing somewhere you're not familiar with, it's always just tougher to make three-point shots, um, which is certainly something that favors us over them. We don't rely quite as much on the three as they do. I think that's something they're definitely going to need to beat us. And then the final one is probably the reason that I'm most confident is if you look at both ends of the floor, I know Deegan Hart's a really solid player for them, but we've got the best player on both ends of the floor, without a doubt. We've got Boo Booey on offense, one of the best players in the Big Ten offensively. He um, is a senior now. He's kind of ready for this moment, I think. I think that Boo's going to have a really, really solid night. And then flip side for Chase, this is his moment to shine defensively. I think that uh, he, he's going to have his way. I think he'll have a number of steals. Um, and I think that'll, those two factors for us more than anything else, be able to turn the tide, just knowing we've got the best player on both ends of the floor. Having the best player is always a, a reassuring thing to have, especially when they're at the guard position in March. Um, being able to rely on those guys, those seniors will be amazing for us. Um, and, and hundred percent agree with, with your keys to this game uh, without a doubt. Yeah, and one other uh, fun fact I did see, kind of a, a nice nugget for us, is that in each of the last five years, I believe it was, um, there's always been a Final Four team with one of the Koozies, uh, so the uh, Point Guard of the Year Award um, finalists on there. Boo Booey was on that um, kind of finalist list for us, so certainly a, a good sign of things to come, I think, you know, having that veteran presence at Point Guard um, and just having the better guard of the two will be big. Anything else that you want to call out here on this Boise State game before we look ahead to uh, some of our other potential matchups here um, in the tournament? Uh, no, I think the biggest key to us, and I think it's something that we've seen a lot in the games where we play well, is we really do play well against teams that play a similar style to us, you know, a slower defensive game. So I think this is just a matchup that really uh, suits us favorably. Um, don't want to be, you know, too optimistic going into a game, but really like the matchup that we have here with Boise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that transitions us well into our potential um, uh, second round match. If we get there is UCLA. Um, and I think, you know, we're both pretty happy about the the draw we got here. UCLA is a really solid team, but they've had some injuries. And again, they are a team um, that's not going to run away with a bunch of points. They're a defensive first team. Uh, they play at that slow tempo. So just another team we feel like, you know, we can um, play it close with and, um, if we're lucky enough to get to that second round game and play them, uh, I think, again, a matchup where it's you know going to be a close game, going to come down to the wire, and, and we'll certainly have a chance to finish it off. Yeah, I mean, they are the best defensive team in the country. Um, but, you know, losing two starters, Adam Bona and Jalen Clark, Jalen Clark being the the probable defensive player of the year in the country's uh, Pac-12 defensive player of the year. Just that defense, really, really impressive. Um, the one interesting thing about UCLA, at least in their style, is they really rely heavily on the mid-range jump shot. So Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkes really lead the charge on that. So just an interesting style of basketball feels like throwing it back to the uh, the 90s or the early 2000s playing defensive mid-range jump shot basketball. Um, something really interesting to watch for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. It'd be a really fun game. And I think uh, just if we could get the the opportunity to play a two seed, you know, um, when we played Gonzaga back in 2017, playing that one seed, you know, it feels like a game where you have nothing to lose. I know that Gonzaga game leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, but it, it was a really fun game. And I think the same would be said about UCLA. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun to get that opportunity. And, and looking down the bracket a little further, there is uh, certainly a possibility that we could get uh, Gonzaga here in the Sweet 16. They're the three seed in our region. So uh, that Sweet 16 matchup could likely be against Gonzaga, and that would be a rematch I think every Northwestern fan would want to have. <laughs> I I know I certainly want to avenge the uh, the missed goaltending call from that game. Um, but then looking, <laughs> looking more at like just the West region and, you know, if, if we're able to advance far in this, the teams that we would have to play is, is really a gauntlet. Um, at least in the overall, you know, Ken Palm ranking statistical rankings, you know, Kansas on Ken Palm is, is the third best or the, sorry, the fourth best team in the region. So, you know, you have Gonzaga who's eighth in Ken Palm, UCLA's second, Connecticut's fourth, um, so having four different teams uh, in the top nine is is really insane just to see how much of a gauntlet this West region is um, for everyone involved. Anything else you want to throw in here on uh, Northwestern's first game? Anything else on the NCAA tournament before we uh, wrap up? Uh, I don't really have anything. I think uh, hopefully I know you'll be down there for, for the Thursday game. Uh, I'll be down there for the Saturday game if we can make it. So hopefully we can stay the weekend and look forward to going to Vegas uh, for the next round. But uh, really excited <laughs> for our matchups here um, with who we've got coming up. Uh, I think we're we're really playing good basketball right now. Uh, if the shots the shots uh, start to fall, I think we can we can really make a run here. So I'm I'm really excited for this these next couple of days. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, you know we have. There's good reason to have belief. We're pretty positive, but I think, you know, we've seen with this team, we can beat anyone. We've beaten a one seed. We've beaten a, a four seed twice um, at home and on the road in Indiana and beating Purdue. So um, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of possibilities for this team and excited to get to Sacramento, um, be with those Northwestern fans. Hopefully we have a good turnout, certainly an unfortunate draw, but uh, potentially some LA uh, Northwestern alumni uh, will make it out there and, uh, I think it'll be a pretty fun environment, and I know a lot of Northwestern fans are jacked up. But uh, more than anything, I think just uh, enjoy the next couple of days. You know, back in 2017, certainly one of my favorite moments as a Northwestern fan, um, getting to watch the uh, game against Vanderbilt and the game against Gonzaga too. So you know, just got to enjoy it. Um, hopefully, this will become a, a regular occurrence. But uh, while we're here in the tournament for just our second time, uh, I think we're just going to enjoy the ride. Thanks for listening to the Mostly NU podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, rate, and share with your fellow Northwestern and Big Ten fans. Follow us on Twitter at MostlyNU and let us know what you think. Thanks to our music editor, Carson, and graphic designer, Jameson. Go Cats!